Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. In the last episode, we talked about optimism and pessimism and the differences between them as well as some of the benefits that we saw in optimism. And today we're gonna focus on optimism and talk about some strategies to foster that optimism in your life. But before we do that, if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, we would love for you to join. Just click on the link in the show notes. All right, let's jump into today's episode. So the first strategy to foster optimism is to practice gratitude. And this is to regularly take note of the good things in your life, no matter how small they seem. You can keep a gratitude journal and just every day write down three things that you are thankful for. And this will really help to shift your focus from those negative aspects to positive ones. And I think it is really important to be thankful for the little things, no matter how small they are, because there are so many things in life that we can take for granted. And so one of the ways that we do this at dinner time is we do the rose thorn and service or sweet sour and service or sweet salty and service, whatever way you want to call it for your family. But we talk about what is something sweet today or what was the rose today that you are thankful for? And then we go on to the thorn and talk about a service that we did. But we also have a gratitude journal that I just got on Amazon and all it is, it's a space every day for three things. So there's a space for the date and then just is listed one, two, three, and there are lines there. And so you can either get a fancy gratitude journal or you can just write on a blank piece of paper what you are grateful for that day. I think it's very easy for people to take for granted the things that are going well in their life, especially if they've been going well for a long period of time. But when you stop and you consider all the things that are going good, that you appreciate, that are helpful, it helps you to get more of that emotional benefit from those things. But if over the course of time, you've just become accustomed to it, and so then you stop thinking about it, you stop getting the benefit from those things that are going right in your life. Number two is positive affirmations. Developing habit of daily positive self-talk. Affirmations can rewire your brain to believe in the positive statements you're saying about yourself. So this idea of working at these positive affirmations and shifting your outlook on yourself, this is a task that takes some time. I wouldn't assume that if you sit down and you do this for a week, you're going to all of a sudden shift your whole mindset or understanding about yourself. It's going to be in the course of several weeks, a month, several months of regularly practicing this to start shifting your mindset and your understanding of who you are. But when you stop and you take the time to really do those positive affirmations, it can make a difference. But again, it's build up over time. Just sitting down doing it once may even feel foolish or silly because it's like, oh, these are not true about me at all, emotionally at least. But intellectually, if you know those things are true about you and you keep beating that drum on those things, eventually those things will start to feel more true about you. And then you start to get more of the emotional benefit from that. Right. And along with positive affirmations, I would even say positive intentions. So you can look up a ton of different positive affirmations. But sometimes we do struggle to get there to believe that these are even true, which I think is what Tim said initially, that having these positive affirmations and practicing them can help you rewire your brain to believe them. But I would even say another option is to start with intentions. 
to be able to walk into every room and say, I'm going to be a light in this room, or I'm going to be an encouragement as I walk into this room, or I choose to be joyful. And although intentions don't equate to outcomes, I really like what Brendan Burchard talks about, where he says, first, it's an intention, then it becomes a behavior, then a habit, then a practice, then second nature, then it's simply who you are. But it definitely does start with intention. And I think you can look at this on a big grand scale, right? Like what is the intention of your life? What do you want your life to look like? But then, like I said before, kind of boil it down to now today, what do I want my day to look like? What's my intention for the day and my actions and who I'm going to be? And then boil it down even more to when I walk into this room or in the next minute or the next person that I see, figure out what your intention is and who you're going to be. I think that's a very interesting thing about who you are. I think a lot of people struggle with what's my identity? Who am I? But this isn't a mystery. This is a choice that you make. You choose who you're going to be. And then the actions that follow through with that are who you are, are ultimately who you end up being. And so it shouldn't be a mystery. It's not something you discover. It's something that you choose to do. So then after a certain amount of time, it's, hey, this is who I am now. This is a part of me because you made these intentional choices to move a specific direction. The next one we're going to talk about, number three, is set achievable goals. Setting and achieving small, realistic goals can increase your optimism as you experience success and build self-efficacy. So when you're thinking about goals and you're thinking about starting something new and you're looking at this monumental task and you're like, gosh, where do I even start? Oh man, it's so much. One of the most important things is to just start. Pick a small thing and just start working at it. Because as you start to work at something, you're going to then start to gain certain amounts of success. And as you start working, then you're decreasing the overall burden of all the things that you have to do. But if you just sit there and you consider all that you have to do, where you get paralysis by analysis, meaning that you're analyzing everything you have to do, so then you're paralyzed and you don't move forward at all, then it's only adding to the difficulty or to the problem. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I had made a decision that I wanted to work out more. Now, I was out of shape. I hadn't been working out very much at all. But then I was like, you know what? We can't hardly go anywhere, do anything anyways. So why don't we start doing some healthy things? So we started working out as a family and we started off just working out. I think it was 10 or 15 minutes a day and it wasn't a whole lot, but it was just starting off somewhere. Now in the past, I think I'd worked out like an hour, maybe even an hour and a half a day. And so pride could have made me want to start there, but I can almost guarantee if I'd started off working out an hour, an hour and a half a day, I would not have continued on. But we worked out for a family for about 15 minutes and we were doing that almost every day. And we did that for several weeks. And then I was like, well, we can do a little bit more. And so then we started working out about 20 minutes every day. Then after a couple of months, we upped it to about 30 minutes a day. And then now we're about 30 to 40 minutes a day. I think at one point we went up to an hour and I was like, this is too much. This is making me not want to do it anymore. And so then we dropped the time back a little bit. But now we're working out very frequently throughout the week. We're working out between 30 and 40 minutes when we're doing it. And we've been consistent with that over the last several years. But it started off at a point that would be relatively insignificant as far as a health standpoint is. Working out 15 minutes isn't that much. It's not producing a whole lot. But it's starting to set up this new pattern and this new habit. And then as this new pattern and habit is set in, now it's easier to increase the time. But if we don't have a pattern or habit set in, it's hard to start off with a lot of time. And it makes it more difficult to have that as a more regular part of your life. 
So when you're thinking about starting off on anything, if whatever you're thinking about is too much, you just draw back your starting point till it's something that's manageable. This is something we also discussed in our videos on depression. And if something's too big or too difficult for you, just keep making it smaller. Even if you have to drop it back to just doing it for one minute, you want to bring it down to something where it's like at a certain point, yes, okay, I could start this, I could do this, and I could do that consistently and regularly. And then as you start doing it consistently and regularly, whatever that task is, then just start increasing the amount of time you're doing that activity till you get to the desired result. And talking about self-efficacy, I just want to go back to the last episode where we gave some statistics. And one of them was that optimists have strong sense of self-efficacy, where 97% eagerly take on challenges. Whereas for pessimists, only 18% eagerly take on challenges. And so as you're setting up these achievable goals, making sure that they are realistic and reachable for you can help you to be more optimistic about them, right? If they are so far out of reach, you're going to naturally be more pessimistic about it because it doesn't seem like something you can achieve. But like Tim said, just taking on a little bit at a time, but being consistent with it, that really is the key. And then having that eager attitude that, oh man, I can totally do this and jumping in with it right away. Strategy number four is to surround yourself with positive people because we know that the people that we spend time with, they influence so many different parts of our life. And like it's been said, you are the sum of the five people closest to you. And they really do help to shape your success, your finances, your interests, your outlook on life, your mindset. There are so many things that our friends and the people around us influence. And so you want to make it count. You want to choose people that are going to encourage you and surround yourself with optimistic people who inspire you and uplift you and that you're doing the same for them. And likewise, if the people that you're surrounded by are pessimistic and don't really have goals or don't have the same values as you, they're also going to influence you. So really be careful who it is you're spending time with and who it is that is pouring into you. Yeah, that power of association is a very real thing. And the changes can be subtle and over time, right? They don't happen normally all at once. But then you just notice how the people that you're around more, you're going to tend to be very similar to them. Not necessarily identical, because again, you're drawing from five different people, essentially. But it's going to start setting you down a path. And it's important to understand what path are you going down because of the people that you're associating with? Is it one that's desirable to you or is it one that's undesirable to you? And I would even say with the internet, we have such great ability to be influenced and mentored by who it is you're listening to, what books you're reading, what podcasts you're listening to, what videos you're watching. Maybe you feel like you don't really have really great friends around you. You still have the ability to be mentored through the choices you're making in all of these different venues. And so like I said before, make it count. Choose books and people and podcasts and seminars and webinars and all these different things that will push and challenge you to be better. Number five is engage in activities that you love. Doing things you enjoy can boost your mood and promote positive thinking. When you're engaging in these things, it's helping to set your focus on and it's helping you to experience more positive feelings. When you're feeling more positive, you're then more likely to also be optimistic as well. 
So I think a lot of times people can consider hobbies a waste of time, but they're not a waste of time when you think about it in this context. It's helping you to have better feelings, be more optimistic, and then helping you to be more likely to achieve your general life goals. Number six is to stay active. So this could really relate to the strategy that Tim just talked about, engaging activities you love. Those activities could be very active, right? So regular physical activity stimulates the production of endorphins, which naturally boost optimism. And so endorphins are also known as one of the feel-good hormones. And there's four different feel-good hormones, which is dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins. And so as you're being physically active and working out, you're not only helping your body to be healthy, but you're also helping your mind to release stress and create a feeling of well-being overall. Number seven is limiting negative news. Consuming too much negative news can affect your mindset. Try to balance this by reading more positive news as well. I think a lot of times people get consumed with national news and what's going on. And when you're listening to the news on that national level, there's so much negativity that they could put into there because there's so many negative things that are happening in the world around us. And the problem with focusing on that is that we tend to get overburdened by it. Don't get me wrong. If you're listening and it spurs you on to do something to try to change the negativity that's going on out there, that's great. But if you're just listening to it and it's just constantly beating you down, it's providing you no benefit and it's not benefiting the world around you if you're not then taking action to it. And by the way, I'm not trying to say you should take action on every negative thing you hear. But what I am saying is if just in the course of you listening to it, all that's happening is you're just hearing all this negativity and no benefit is being produced out of it. You're just kind of torturing yourself versus saying, hey, listen, there's a lot of bad that's happening that I have no control over. And so I'm not going to listen to it all the time because it's just hurting me from a mental health standpoint. And then your ability to desire to even do things because it can put you into this depressive state. So decreasing the amount of that negative news that you're consuming and then focusing it maybe more on local stuff or even in your own personal life. If when you're listening to the news, you hear about all these negative things, a good exercise is to stop and think, well, how much does all this negative stuff actually affect me in my everyday life if I'm not listening to it? And the truth is, it doesn't really affect you a whole lot on your regular everyday life-to-life -life basis. But then we can spend a lot of time where we're consuming it for hours on end, and it's negatively affecting us emotionally, even though very little of those things are actually reaching into our everyday life and causing us problems here and now versus you'd be much better served at focusing on what's going on in your life, what are the problems in your life, and then how can you solve and fix those? Because the problems on the national level are something that you really can't fix. There's something you might be able to contribute to fixing, but you'd be one small piece to contributing to that fix versus the problems that are happening in your everyday life. You have much more influence and power to change those things compared to those things on the national level. And so when you focus all that attention on what's happening nationally versus what's happening in your life, you're putting yourself in this powerless position versus when you're focusing on what's going on in your own life, you have much more power to be able to adapt and change things that are going on. Number nine is positive visualization. Regularly visualizing a positive future can enhance your optimism. Imagine yourself achieving your goals and overcoming those challenges. This is something I used to practice very regularly when I was in athletics. So even if I wasn't in the middle of swimming right at that moment, coming up to a big race or a big event, I would sit down and I would visualize myself going through and doing the activity correctly. What I found was that in the middle of my visualization, a problem would arise and I would notice that I was doing something wrong. 
And then I would go back and I'd revisualize trying to do it correctly and following through on step one, step two, step three. And they've actually done plenty of research that shows that not only the act of physically practicing doing the activity right, but there is this giant benefit to visualizing and mentally practicing doing the activity right. And when you combine those two together, you get much better outcomes when you're actually performing. So when you're considering doing something and you want to be optimistic about it, you sit down and you visualize that positive outcome. And you may get thrown roadblocks in your way where your mind's like, ooh, what about this or what about that problem? But in the act of that visualization, you come up with solutions to those problems. And then as you visualize through, the problem comes up. Oh, here's my solution. Oh, I'm going to keep proceeding forward. And then you end up achieving your end goal through that visualization process. So what you're helping do is you're helping to blaze this trail and this path in your mind. And then when it comes to actually practicing that, it makes it an easier path to tread because now you're just dealing with the actual physical difficulty of doing the thing in the real world. And you're not also dealing with the mental difficulty of dealing with it. Because through the visualization process, you've already kind of cut through those weeds. Now you just got to cut through those weeds when it actually comes down to actually doing that in the real world. So number eight is to give yourself grace and to really just practice self-compassion. So when things go wrong or there's some mistakes or failures, really being kind to yourself and accepting that everyone makes mistakes and then use that as a learning experience. So if you go back to the last episode, we talked about the way optimists view mistakes and failures, that 96% say they see it as a learning experience. And that can be so beneficial because we're all going to fail and we're all going to mess up. So if we can have the perspective that we learn from it, then that would be so beneficial for us. And it's the same with successful businesses. If you look at a successful business, it's not that they've never met failure or never made a mistake, it's that when they have, they learn from it and they changed a couple things and tweaked a couple things to make it better. And I think sometimes as an optimist, it can make you feel like, oh, I'm one step closer. Whereas with the pessimist, it can make you feel like, see, I failed again, what's the point? And so when you're met with these obstacles, instead of pointing it at yourself and saying, what a failure I am, or see, I messed up again, Being able to look at it and give yourself grace and say things like, that was hard, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to continue on. Or man, that really didn't work out, but I'm a hard worker and I'm a problem solver and I can figure this out. And I think going along with that, practicing self-compassion, I think a lot of times people are like, man, I'm my own worst critic. But realistically, you should be your own best cheerleader. You should be cheering yourself on to be successful and giving yourself grace when you fail or when you mess up. Because when you're kicking yourself while you're down, you're not producing any beneficial results from that versus, hey, I messed up. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to try again because I am going to be successful. I think it's much more natural to be very critical of yourself. But then when you think about being your own best cheerleader, cheering yourself on, I think people think that concept is weird or strange, but it's actually very helpful to you to continue on when things get tough. And the last one, number 10, is to maintain a healthy lifestyle. And you'll notice that when we talk about, you know, the different tips that we have, we usually include healthy lifestyle in there because it really does impact and contribute to so much of mood regulation and mental health. And so you do want to make sure that you have a healthy diet and adequate sleep. 
and a healthy mindset because it really does impact your overall outlook on life. So just to review some of the strategies to foster optimism, number one is to practice gratitude. Number two is positive affirmations or intentions. Number three is to set achievable goals. Number four is to surround yourself with positive people. Number five is to engage in activities you love. Number six is to stay active. Number seven is to limit negative news. Eight is to give yourself grace or practice self-compassion. Nine is positive visualization. And 10 is to maintain a healthy lifestyle. So remember that fostering optimism, it's a gradual process and it's okay to have moments of negativity. But what's important is to not let these moments define your overall outlook on life and not be habitually negative and to always assume that the negative is going to be the outcome. But to be more optimistic and more ideally to be an optimistic realist where you're taking into account what the situation at hand is, but that you have a positive outlook on it. And you tend to have a favorable view on situations and events and people. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.